Good morning, everybody. Come on, greet somebody on your way down and tell them, say, this is for you today. No, listen, look, look at them hard. Look at them hard. Say, this is for you today. Are we going to participate or not? Are we gonna... Don't be afraid we're in church. They can't do anything about it. I am, I am so glad to be here today and to be sharing the word of the Lord with you. I believe that this is going to be a great culmination to the end of a wonderful series that we've got to listen to and hear the exhortations that have come into your life. And if you'll grab what I say today, it'll make all of that more impactful on your spiritual journey. While I am the uh, senior pastor at Mosaic Church on the other side of Clarksville, I'm grateful for all that God has done in this ministry thus far. But nothing is more rewarding to me than what God has done in my own family. I wanted to take a minute and just introduce you to my family. Got a pic I want to show you. That's me and my gorgeous wife, my daughter Lauren and her husband Jonathan, my son Devin and his wife Laura, and those are like gifts from God down there on the lower side. <laughs> Jackson and Ezra, we, we have been really blessed and we're grateful for the family. I understand this, that the church is not mine, it's Jesus's. And we're going to give that microphone to someone very soon. I'm 52 now, it may be sooner than I, than I think. If you ask somebody at Mosaic, it may be like they wished it was next week, but... I'm grateful for my family. I'm, I'm grateful for the church that is growing, though, and what, what God is doing. As a matter of fact, I brought a picture today of, of some of our new members. Do you know this person? Look at, look at that person rocking the mosaic gear. Uh, it's Pastor Stephanie, if you don't recognize her, at uh, uh, General Council, and she sent that to us. And I thought, man, that's so indicative of the relationship that Julia and I have with uh, Pastor Mike and Stephanie they are kingdom builders. They are not in competition with the church body. They are empowers of the church body. And what many of you may not know is that our, our, our ministry is trailing about three years behind LifePoint. Uh, the, the storefront that this church was planted in, we planted behind you in that storefront. And it's just been a, a great journey following behind you guys and gleaning so many wonderful, wonderful things. Pastor Mike and Steph are top-notch leaders. We thank God for them. Come on, thank God for leadership. I've seen bad leadership, man. So be grateful when you have great leadership that is taking you forward. Well, as I said today, I, I really want to lean into this message on forgiveness. I think that it's going to empower you today to walk out of here and leave something behind. Amen? Amen. Listen, if you've got your Bibles, let's open up to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to read a few verses to you, it's beginning at verse 21. Reading now the New Living Translation, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. I was glad they lowered this podium for me as well. It was really nice. I thought, am I going to have to be on a box? Matthew 18, verse 21, the scripture reads like this. It says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. 490? Are you serious? And then he's going to illustrate the application to this principle. Because Jesus is not trying to quantify something here. He's trying to qualify something here. Notice what he goes. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. 
meaning this, that your life is not only impacted by your decisions or the lack thereof, but your entire family will reap them. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Wow. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him, begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king was very upset. The king called the man whom he had forgiven, and he said, you evil servant. Wow, notice the change in conversation and tone. You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. You should have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you. Then the angry king sent this man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. I want you to hear verse 35. I need you to get this because this is important. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters. Key phrase, from the heart. Wow. You ever seen those pages in the Bible that you would like to tear out? This is... One of them, right? You do it to me once, shame on you. Do it to me twice, shame on me. That means there's no threes. We're throwing down. I want to tell you that I think one of the biggest hindrances to you and I making a full impact in who we're called to be is unforgiveness. And I think today we need to detox our soul from this toxicity that is inhibiting us from living the full life that God wants us to live. Let me pray. Father, thank you today for your word that is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Thank you today that you're severing from us this toxic in our soul called unforgiveness. And you're releasing us, God, refreshed in this season to run the race that is set before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, do me a favor. Look at somebody right beside you. Do this. Look at somebody right beside you and say, you need a detox. You need a detox. Let me give you just a little bit of context before I, I give you application. This is a staggering, astounding passage in principle. And, and to be honest with you, it probably flies against most of our doctrine. Most of us don't see our relationship with Jesus nor the requirements of the relationship to be carried out in such a capacity. But here, Jesus has given us an insight to what it looks like to function and live in a healthy way in the kingdom of God. It's a parable. He's saying this is a spiritual insight to how the kingdom of heaven functions. The king of the story is Jesus. He's the Jesus that is calling his servants to reckon with them because all of us, everybody in the room, will appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of what you've done in this body. You're, you're going to have the conversation. The king of the story is Jesus. The person that owes the 10,000 talents is you and me. All of us are indebted to this extent. Matter of fact, just to give you a little backdrop on the talents, uh, one talent is about 750 ounces. One talent is about 750 ounces. 
This guy owes 10,000 talents, 7.5 million ounces. If we traded that in silver today at about 2250, it would be around $169 million worth of debt. If it was gold trading upwards of 1800, it would be like $1.35 billion. That's a lot of debt. But that's the comparison to the sin debt that you and I owe. It's too big for any of us to pay the debt. We need the king to give us mercy and grace for a debt that we cannot pay. The guy was willing to pay. The king didn't say, I'll extend the note. He says, I'm going to forgive you because the king was fully aware that it is too much. And Jesus is fully aware that your sin debt is too big for you to ever pay. And so he gave you grace and mercy. The guy that owes the 100 denaria, well, that's the people that are in your life. And the debt is not to Jesus, it's to you. 100 denaria equals about, uh, it takes 6,000 denaria to make a talent. So if we took the same math as before mentioned, it's about $1,600. 1.35 billion compared to 1,600. And the story is emphasizing somebody that has been forgiven of so much. Now let's the petty issues of life oftentimes sabotage, contaminate their soul. And listen, when I say petty issues, I realize that a lot of us go through some relationship dysfunctions that are deeply wounding and deeply hurtful. But when we put it in the sense of how much your debt has been forgiven, he's saying they don't compare. And so in order for you and I to walk out this faith-filled life where we're not allowing people to ride free, we have to be cognizant of the fact that we have been forgiven of so much ourselves. And when we're aware of what Jesus has done for us, doing for others is a small thing in comparison. Senator Alan Simpson is credited with this quote, hatred corrodes the container it's carried in. I, I got a letter I read last night, came in the mail to me. Just last night, I thought, God, you're wanting to say something. Got this letter. When I opened up and began to read it, it was someone that had come to the storefront nine years ago whom I offended. And there's a lot of them, but whom I had offended. And they wrote this and says, I'm tired of carrying this feeling towards you for nine years. I need to be free. Nine years because I said something in the, in, in, in the pulpit during a message that was not appreciated. I meant no ill will, but it became toxic to nine years. I got it last night. Some of you are carrying some things and you've been carrying it for a long time and you've got comfortable with what you're carrying. And because of the level of abuse that you've endured through these relationships, you oftentimes feel justified. Well, they did it. They started it. This happened to me. I was innocent. Well, let me just let you know, everybody in this room has been offended, has been betrayed, has been lied on, lied to, has been taken advantage of. I'm not trying today to, to create some kind of scale because there's some of you that have a family member that was murdered. That, that's, that's tough stuff. S some of you as a child was molested. That's big time stuff. And so the way that I'm responding to some of those things, it's different. But when it comes to walking out our faith-filled life, the principles are the same no matter what level of offense you and I have endured. 
And they can be practiced today because even if you've suffered such an egregious assault in your life through the interaction with someone, or it might have been a minor altercation, but it's still stuck in your crawl kind of thing, we all need to be free. And if you're going to be refreshed and run in 2022, you've got to get this word so you can get out of your life these things that are inhibiting you and weighting you down. Scripture is very clear on helping us stay healthy. And there's many passages that teach us to be first responders to altercations. And the reason why, let me just say this, the reason why we need to be quick in our response is because your life and your health in God is connected directly to somebody else. This is not a go alone, do it alone. You don't get to make up how you want this thing to work out. God has called us to be a body that is fitly framed together. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 says, one joint supplies the need of the next. Do you know what that means? Is that your growth is contingent upon your connection. And your connection is exercising something into your life that is determining how healthy you grow. If you took a child, a baby that was born, and you put the baby in the crib and tied the child down and would not allow any mobility to be expressed out of the child and simply fed the child with milk, the child would not grow. The child would not grow. Because on the end of the bones of a newborn baby is something called growth plates. And growth plates only operate when there's mobility and movement. And so you give a child milk and then you allow that child to exercise and kick its legs and move its arms in the crib. It, it, it triggers the growth plates and that child begins to grow. The milk doesn't make the child grow. The milk gives the child energy to exercise itself and growth is the consequence. Can I tell you in this place today, the kingdom of heaven is the exact same way? You have the capacity to grow, and the relationship interactions you have determine how you grow. You can pray all you want, spend five hours in your prayer closet, get up every morning to do all the devotions you want. That is just supplying and nourishing your life. It doesn't grow you. Growth happens is when you leave the house in the morning after prayer, after devotion, and you go encounter somebody on the way. How you interact is really determined how you're growing. I'm preaching better than you're shouting anyway, but it's okay. I'm going to go on and do it my own way today. Are, are you hearing me? And so God wants us to be first responders so we can grow right. Matthew chapter 5 verse 39 says this, But I say unto you, do not res resist an evil person. Someone who slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. It's another one of those pages, right? I, I, I hate that verse. I'm a little old school. I'm, I, I like Leviticus on this. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I won't throw the first punch, but if you hit me on the right side, I am jacking you up on the left side. <laughs> I, I, it feels better, doesn't it? And most of us are not good at first responses because most of us are just being bogged down sometimes with life and we blame certain issues on the context of our living. Whether right or wrong, we can get caught up in the fight. But even if you don't give a first response, God still requires a response from you. Amen? Amen. Notice what Jesus said on the case of forgiveness. Look how straightforward this is. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. What? The guy that owed the 10000 talents who wasn't willing to forgive someone else you know what he did he revoked his forgiveness 
He revoked it. Because God's equally concerned about your lateral relationship as much as your vertical relationship. And Jesus said, no, if you don't, it won't. And you know when he says this? Right after the Lord's Prayer. Context matters. So he takes us through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Takes us all the way down to thy kingdom come, thy glory forever and ever. Amen. And then the next thing out of his mouth is dealing not with give us our daily bread or lead us not into temptation. It's back to forgiveness. Meaning he give us this model prayer, but he's amplifying that it works when you walk healthy. That its impact is there when you are releasing what you have been freely given. I am preaching so good today. (laughs) The word forgiveness in scripture simply means this, to send away, to let go of, to bid farewell to. And if you and I can learn today to bid farewell, I think we'll be in better shape. See, the problem is, is that the Bible mentions forgiveness 119 times in Scripture. But it often doesn't give us the how-to. We're told to forgive, but sometimes we're lacking the strategy for forgiving. Here, Luke 17, 4 and 5 says this, if, a person, uh, if that person wrongs you seven times a day, reach, uh, excuse me, each time turn again and ask forgiveness, you must forgive. If somebody wrongs you, you have to keep forgiving. Notice what the apostle said. Uh, the apostle said to the Lord, show us, show us how to increase our faith. You know what they said? I'm going to need some help on that. I'm going to need you to help me, God. I hear what you're saying. But you're asking a whole lot. Not only are you asking me to stay in proximity to someone, but be vulnerable enough that they can continue to do that to me. I'm going to need you to increase my faith. Because it's easier for me to get over the guy that cut me off in traffic than it is the child child molester. Or the husband that beats his wife. I, I want to go to the shed with that guy and give him a good country beating. Are you hearing me? And, and so they're recognizing how difficult of a request. And they're saying, I'm going to need you to help me, God. I'm going to need you to increase my faith. So I'm going to give you three ways today, I think, that are powerful in helping you accomplish a detoxification of your soul and get rid of all these people riding along with you. Nine years. I had no idea. I wasn't hurt by it, but she was chained to it. Nine years, and there's some of us still carrying these things. Here's how I'm going to help you. Number one, get some coffee. Get some coffee. It's that simple. Romans 12, verse 20 says, Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now, when I was coming up, I loved this scripture. Because I I interpreted it to be this way. If somebody messes with me, I'm just going to let God kill them. (laughs) I'm going to let God get them. I'm going to let God take over. I'm going to let God deal with them. I'm not going to do anything. God, get them. You're going to put coals of fire right on their, their head. Let me see it. You don't ever want to see it? I, I sometimes, I was like, let me be in proximity where I can see it. But you know that passage doesn't mean anything like that. 
This, this passage is talking in an Eastern culture paradigm where Bedouins and people that stayed out in, in, in the night air, where they would get cold, they would take pans of coals and they would put it on their heads literally because 60% of the heat loss is from the neck and the head. And what would happen is, is when they would put that pan of coal on their head, it would warm the whole body. And so Jesus is teaching us a great principle. He says, when you've got issues with somebody, somebody that is at odds with you, do something to nourish them because here's what will happen. You'll take somebody that's cold with you and you'll bring warmth to the relationship. You'll change the temperature of the relationship. You're not bringing judgment on them. No, you're bringing reconciliation to them through your kindness. Go on daily, preach it today. He says you'll change the temperature in the relationship. And, and listen, with that said, I, I want to tell you this. This, this, is, this is necessary. God in this area of your life must always be second, not first. God is not first in this area. God is second in this area. Let, let me help you understand. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, it's not about whose fault. It's about who's mature. You suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Here's what he's saying. Don't come up in here and throw your hands up in the air and wave like you just don't care. Come on, no. If you're out of alignment with someone, leave your praise for a moment. Go get with that individual. Get some coffee with that individual so you can make the relationship right and then come back and give God praise that is worthy of his name. There's a lot of us trying to give God some stuff that God's not wanting to receive until you get this right. I had this staff member one time. Hey, staff. If I could just preach without staff, it'd be glorious. But no, no offense, LifePoint has a great staff. We're, we're working on it. But, but culture is so important to me. You know, not just function, but culture. And so we had come to a place with an individual, and it just wasn't working any longer. And we was going to need to say goodbye to that individual. And we, I'm going to be the best I can, the most generous that I can be. I'm going to do it as, as if I'm representing Christ. It's very important to me. And so as we're going through this transition, this individual was wounded by the discussion and began to share a bunch of things, began to say a bunch of things, make accusations. And it just got really kind of crazy. And, and while I'm going to walk restrained, I'm going to be a man of God. I ain't arguing it out on Facebook. That's just stupid. But anyway. Hallelujah. We see some of the posts going on. Like, you'll never argue it win on Facebook. Glory to God. Anyway, but, 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 so I'm going to be controlled. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep character. I want God to be honored. But inside, man, I've got a conversation going on. I, I, I'm, I'm having conversations and I begin to not like the individual at all. And then one day, while I'm mindlessly trolling through Facebook, I see a comment that he makes and it ticked me off. It just ticked me off. And I thought, oh, I can't say anything. And then I thought about it for a long time. And I thought, well, I can say this and nobody will know, but I'll throw some shade right back on them. You ever done that? Finally crafted post that was really aimed towards someone, but it wasn't so obvious. Come on, don't act like I'm in a... 
few days later, one of our pastors come to me and said, Pastor, I seen your post the other day. Have you talked to so-and-so lately? I was thinking, oh, be sure your sins will find you out. <laughs> and immediately this verse came to mind. No, leave your gift before the altar. Go be reconciled. And all of a sudden it hit me. What have I been trying to offer God that he has not been responding to? What am I trying to give him and ask for reciprocity from him that he's not responding to? There's some of you sitting in here and you're frustrated with God because he's not responding, but he's waiting on you Amen. to do something. I called dude up right away because you ain't riding on me for free. I, I mean, I, I'm slow to the game sometimes, but I called him up and I said, listen, uh, let's get some coffee. Would you mind? I need to share something with you. He graciously agreed. We go to Starbucks and this is what I did not do. I did not come in to converse about what he had done. I come to own what I had been thinking and I sat down and out of my mouth, I wasn't making any kind of uh, 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 just conversation for the sake of being there. I said, I need you to forgive me. I need you to forgive me. I have been thinking crazy about you. I've not been moving well with you. And as a man of God, it's not right. Would you please forgive me? We sat in the coffee shop for two hours. His temperature changed. He and I was reconciled. We're in relation. He's attending the church now. Who we, we, we saved something. No, sometimes you have to buy someone a cup of coffee. And secondly, let me say this about this point because this is like so important. The person that is your best friend is the third person that should know about it. We, we do this thing all the time. Christians are great at it. Called Jesus Duke. It, it, it's like a sport metaphor, you know. It's like you're faking one way, but it's like Jesus Duke. Yeah, I'm white, but I can still move, man. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus Duke. We do it all the time when we call up our friend and say, look, girl, I need you to pray with me about so-and-so. You ain't wanting to her to pray. You want somebody to tell because you need allies in your camp. But here's what happens is you make a foe for your friend and now they get toxic in a relationship that they had no business even being a part of. There's a principle in, Ch in Leviticus chapter 14 that says when you're going to cleanse your leprosy, you have to wash with running water because if you use stagnant water, then you put your leprosy in it and somebody that washes behind you will get what you've got. And we got a lot of people dipping into our lives that are getting contaminated with what's in here and we're just... Jesus juking them. Help, I'm helping somebody today. Somebody getting free today. Somebody leave. Are, are, are you hearing me? Look at somebody say, I need you to detox. Number two is you, you need to buy a gift. Yeah. Get some coffee. Buy a gift. If you've got issues with me in this room, I'll take buckle cards. I'll take, I'll take a 1969 Camaro that's retro mod. Just... Luke 6, 27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Amen. Do good to those that hate you. It's another page I want to tear out. Listen, sometimes the cussing that you got was on assignment. And you know what the assignment was? is to reveal something about you that you've been overlooking through your response. Because when a person cusses you, it's obvious that you're getting a picture of them. But the real power of transformation is you getting a picture of you and how you respond. Did you cuss them back? Well, you have a problem in your heart. And God used the cussing to reveal you. Shimei. 
He's a nephew, cousin of Saul, the first king of Israel. David is now king. David is running from Absalom, fleeing the city of Jerusalem. Shimei is over on the ridgeline. When he sees David at his lowest, he starts cussing him and throwing accusation uh, towards him. David's got this, these mighty men with him, and David's, the mighty men said, let's go take dude's head off. Let me take dude's head off, and I'll shut that mouth up for him good. You know what David said? He said, no, stop. No, maybe he's on assignment from the Lord. Maybe God has sent him to see what I'll do in this moment. See, sometimes my response is really revealing something within me. And because you prayed this morning, you think it's okay to feel the way that you can oftentimes feel, but it's not. It's sabotaging your effectiveness to make sure the light of the world is seen clearly and brightly. No, no, sometimes you gotta, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta buy a gift. You know when he says, do good? You know what the word do good? It's not some gesture. It's not loving word, it's love indeed. And it's an extravagant word in the Greek. It means to buy them something to the extent that you make their mouth fall open. Do good. Give them an extravagant gift. Leave their mouth hanging open because they know the context of relationship. Got a friend of mine who uh, was in a rush one morning and she wasn't able to go to the bank that she normally done business with where she knew everyone. And so she is sent on an alternate journey. She stops at this, this branch of this bank and she is in a hurry and the teller is just not cooperating. She gets frustrated. She, she gets so frustrated and she treats her very rudely and very harshly. She's leaving the bank, driving down the road and all of a sudden the Lord said to her, is that how you want to be remembered? She was like, no. He said, I want you to buy her a gift and take it back. Going to be obedient to the moment, wanting to be right in the eyes of God. She stopped at a local floor shop and she goes in and she sees this cool little potted plant. She picks it up. She's headed towards the checkout counter. And the Lord says, is that how you want to be remembered? She said, I set that thing back down and I got the biggest one. I couldn't even see over top of it. It was so big. And she said, I went right back down to the bank. And when I walked into the doors, I patiently waited for the teller to get done. And I walked over and she looks at me thinking, what are you here for? And she said, I need you to forgive me for how I treated you this morning. And she plopped that big pot of flowers on the desk. She said, everybody was crying in the whole bank. That's how you want to be remembered. Not how you're treating people, but how you're blessing people, reconciling people, helping them. Sometimes you've got to buy something to say something. Ooh, daily you're just tearing it up. N Number three, you got to change the conversation. This is super, super important. Matthew 5, 43 and 44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Before I tell you some more about this passage, I want to say this clearly. Forgiving is not forgetting. Well, I forgot that. No, you didn't. You don't forget. Forgiving is remembering but feeling different. That's what forgiveness is. You know that you for have forgiven someone is because when you remember, you feel different about them. It's a key. It doesn't come just because you say it. Yeah, I have said I forgive to people before and wanted them to you know, bring reciprocity to that and they, they made it worse. I've tried to go and make, and they make it worse. Anybody ever done that? Amen. Yes. No, no. Let me, let, me, let me tell you a story really quick. Several years ago, my pre-Jesus days, I'm still going to work post-Jesus, but these are pre-Jesus days. I need to clarify so you don't think it was last week. <laughs> pre-Jesus days, back in the 90s. 
Back in the 90s, um, my wife and I were young in marriage, two children, and this dude is after my wife. Now, you've seen the picture, but me. Don't be a hater. <laughs> my wife is gorgeous, right? So people are naturally, she stands out. That's why, you know, I wouldn't have married her. Anyway. <laughs> he calls my house. Dude, I'm from Indian Mound. Homie does not play that. <laughs> you can just forget it. And I don't have no Jesus. Calls my house. I am ticked. I'm livid. I mean, I'm livid. I'm taking it out on her. I'm taking it out on everybody. And I thought, I'm fixing to give this dude a beat down. That's what, that's what I was going to do. I took a broom. I had a broom there. Had a good thick handle on it. I, I busted the head, knocked the head off the end of the broom. I got that stick and put it in my car. Got my buddy loaded up with me. We, we, we drove into town. I found out where dude lived, and I parked down the road from his house. That's right. I was crazy. We parked down the road from his house, and I waited on him to leave. He comes out, gets in his car, and he takes off. I fall in behind him. We wind up on 2nd Street, downtown at Bank America. He gets out of his car, and he's going to go into the teller machine. I'm rolling out on him right then. I've got this anger and this rage. I'm fixing to knot dude up like he ain't going to be able to comb his hair tomorrow. He's going to have so many knots on his head. And so my buddy starts freaking out because we're downtown. He said, you can't roll out here. And he's fighting me on the stick. So I let go of the stick, and I jump out of the car anyway. I should have put the stick on him. But I jumped out of the car anyway and he comes out of that teller machine and I deck him I, I deck him he falls out in the middle of the road on second street and I'm cussing screaming kicking biting whatever I can do right I hate this individual you call my house I, I can't stand him we wrestle he gets to his feet and he starts running down second street and I'm running right behind him right down the middle of second street cussing screaming threatening I'm gonna kill you and then I finally realized, oh, he's running to the police station. <laughs> Let me get back to my car. <laughs> Anger, hate. Fast forward several years, I get saved. God is just doing something amazing in my life at that time. I'm getting to share my passion with the people that are around. Revivals are opening up and I'm getting to go to churches and preach and God is just doing an amazing thing in my life. And then I'm going through town one day and I pass his house. And when I passed his house, that contamination surfaced. And all of a sudden, those thoughts and those memories begin to invade. I get to the stop sign. I hear the Lord say, I'm not saying it was audible, but I'm telling you, for me, it provoked the fear of the Lord. I heard the Lord say, pray for him. I thought, the devil is a liar, and so is his mother-in-law. <laughs> I'm not praying for nobody. I hope he burns in hell. Matter of fact, I hope he's like the cold bed that's in the bottom of hell, creating, don't act like you ain't hated before. It was deep within me, but the Lord wasn't pleased because he didn't want me to stay in a place that was gonna sabotage my calling. He said, I said, pray for him. By this time, I'm crying like a two-year-old kid. I mean, I'm weeping and crying, tears running down my face. I literally did this. I went, uh, uh. I mean, I, I couldn't get anything out. Heard the Lord say one more time, I said pray for him. I thought God's going to kill me. I really thought that. I thought fear of the Lord hit me. I thought he's going to kill me right here. And so I opened my mouth and I began to say all kinds of wonderful, extravagant things about this guy. And you know what the truth of the matter was? I didn't mean any of it. But the 
the spiritual moment lifted I wiped my tears and I drove on and then every time I'd go to prayer every time I'd go to prayer there he came and I started creating and formulating a relationship with him I prayed for him like this I made him like a Reinhard Bonnke a great missionary in Africa I made him like a Billy Graham filling stadiums and he's the guy on the platform proclaiming Jesus to all these masses of people and what I didn't realize because I wasn't intentional with it I didn't realize God was changing the conversation and creating a new image in the way I seen him. And once I changed the way I seen him, I felt so different about him. And after a space of time, every time his name would come up, I would see him preaching and proclaiming. See, most of us make a mistake when we go to prayer is we keep praying the conversations that we had. Lord, you know how they treated me? You know what they did to me? God, I need you to help. Lord, just help me. No, what you do is you reinforce the images that you already have of that individual and you leave prayer not healed, but sometimes wounded more. No, I learned a hard principle. No, I changed the conversation. I'm gonna pray about you different. I'm gonna be like, I'm God. And you're the son and daughter of God, and this is the way he sees you. This is the way he sees you. After all, why? Because I've had 10,000 talents of debt forgiven me, wiped away, $1.35 billion wiped off the slate just because of grace and mercy. His 1,600 debt has got to go. It doesn't compare. I'm not going to sabotage my life fighting you over 1,600 when 1.35 billion has been wiped off my slate and I've been set free. It brings me to this. There's two kinds of people in this room today. Every person is one of these two individuals. Either you're the guy or the gal that owes the 10,000 talents. And you need the mercy and the grace of the king who owes the debt. And today, if you'll give it to him, the burden, the load, the weight will fall right off of you and you'll leave this place refreshed and ready to run in 2022 there's some of you in here like that but there's also another group in here today that have received the cleansing of the 10,000 but you're chasing folks who still owe you the 1600 you're still holding people hostage over 1600 it's not like it's a minimal amount but it's not a life-changing amount but it can be a life-hindering amount this is what I want to do. Just every, everybody, just bow your head. Just give us a moment of privacy for those that are around you. You're here today and you say, Pastor Anthony, I owe 10000 I got a lot of sin debt in my life. And I'm coming to the king today and I'm giving it to him. And I'm going to become a follower of Jesus right here, right now. If that's you in this room, would you just raise your hand? Man, I see hands going up. Thank you so much. If you're watching online, man, put it in the chat box. Let us know. Listen, I'm going to tell you how you do that. It's a prayer. It's a prayer. Everybody that raised their hand, it's simply a prayer. Prayer is the place that you receive what has already been provided. And I want you to say this prayer with me. I want you to say it with me. Matter of fact, everybody in the room, we're going to say it with you. Say this with me. Father, no, come on, church. Hands went up all over the place. Say this with me. Father, 
I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. For I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead for me. Fill me with your spirit. Refresh my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Listen, if you prayed that, I say you just got saved. That's how you give your debt away. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Paul writing, maybe Paul, in Hebrews 12, said, put off the weight and the sin that so easily besets you so you can run. A detox helps you lose weight and get clean again so you can continue. There's some of you in here today that need that detox. You need to let the 100 denarius folks go from your life. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray and dismiss everyone that needs to be dismissed. But if you're in this place and you say, I need prayer, this team is here. We want to pray with you and believe God for you. And even if you don't come for prayer, I'm asking you to leave refreshed and leave it behind. Let me pray. Father, thank you right now for your amazing grace that has forgiven all of us in this room of our 10,000 talent debt. We would have never paid it, but you graciously forgave us and we are eternally grateful. God, I declare that we are leaving this space, God, refreshed, running the race that is set before us, changing our city and the world that is around us, God. Thank you, God, that for some, it's get a cup of coffee. Thank you, God. For others, it's buy a gift. And for those of us like me, God, it's changing the conversation in prayer. But wherever we find ourselves, God, let us find ourselves free. That I pray in Jesus' name. And I pray this blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God himself lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. And everybody at Life Point Church said amen.